Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. I got my guy Q in here, and I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori. But more importantly, we have a special guest with us today, and we're getting the inside scoop from Five Eyewitness and Score North contributor and host, Darren Doogie Wolfson's with us today. How's it going, Doogie? I'm doing okay, Kyle. Special, you say? Yes. Did I pay you to say that? I mean, what the heck about me is special if my wife is listening or watching this at any point, you would be laughing at your introduction to me. No, my introduction's on point. I'm a big fan. I told you that I follow your show. Um, I always go to you for the inside scoop. Thank you for always being so obliging and telling me all the inside stuff before everybody else finds out because I do appreciate it. I'm a diehard Minnesota fan, so just just crazy. But let's get into it right away. Uh, The quarantine is here. I know you're dealing with a lot. You're working full-time, plus you're trying to teach your kids at home. How hard is that? It's been a challenge. I won't lie, Kyle. Now, it helps that having two boys, they can play with each other. They can feed off of each other. Every day over the lunch hour, we go outside and play football. You know, so like I feel for like my fourth grader, one of his best friends has a younger sister. And they just, they don't oftentimes get along, you know. So I'm just grateful that I have a fourth grader and a first grader that, that, first and foremost, are healthy. And, you know, I mean, they're embracing the, the distance learning as, as much as they can. Now, I'm hopeful after the governor's news conference earlier today, we're in the Hopkins School District, so it's still on each individual school district's, you know, plight what, what to do, right? Like, just because the governor is giving, you know, schools guidance that, that as soon as the 18th of January, hey, let the elementary schools get back, back going, that doesn't mean that, that each individual school district is going to do that. But I'm hopeful that, that the Hopkins School District, sooner rather than later, if it's not January 18th, maybe it's late January, early February, I'm, just, I'm hopeful that my first grader for sure can get back in the classroom and hopefully my fourth grader. But it's, it's going okay. It's a balance, right? I mean, it's just it's, it's more, you know, me not sleeping as much. It's me catching up on stuff 10, 11 o'clock at night when they're sleeping, you know. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's more of a grind, but, hey, I'm telling you, Kyle, I'm grateful I'm still employed. I'm grateful my wife is still employed. I'm grateful that, that all of us have our health. So, I mean, it could, be, it could be significantly worse. So, you know, you ask me, and I'll tell you it's a roller coaster. But, but really, I mean, you know, big picture-wise, there's really not a whole lot for me to complain about. And I know your, your children, you know, they must be doing the right things because you've been spoiling them with a lot of card packs, I see. Yeah, we like this store in Hopkins. We've gone there a few times, this, this hobby store. They have all the new baseball and basketball and football cards. And, and my guy, Papa Hawk in Golden Valley, he takes good care of us. And, yeah, I'm constantly on, on eBay and, and some other sites uh, acquiring cards. So, yeah, we try, to, we try to rip open a few packs a week, if, if not more than that. I like it. I like it. Q, I know you wanted to start it off with the Gophers. So why don't you hit them with your, with your thoughts? Yeah, I was curious about uh, this upcoming season. What do you think uh, the potential as far as the Gophers making some noise in the Big Ten this season? What's up, Q? I presume you're talking about men's basketball, probably not men's hockey or, or the rest of the football season, whatever that might entail, one or two more games. Men's basketball, certainly. Yeah, I mean, last night was, was certainly 
it was it was not good, right? Like I'm not exactly breaking news when when you end up losing as as badly as they did in Champaign. I actually thought they would be competitive. I saw that the Vegas line was nine. I didn't think the Gophers would beat Illinois, but but I told a few friends that I would take the Gophers plus the nine points. So I look like a fool offering up that advice. I mean, they've won some close games right now. Should they have been in close games against North Dakota, against Loyola, against Boston College? Maybe not, but that was a big issue last year. Like in so many of those Big Ten games last year, they just couldn't close games. Like look back at their record last year and in games decided by five or six points or less, it was historically bad. You know, so my hope is that that this Big Ten season, they can find a way to, to finish some games, but look. Look at the schedule for the next couple of weeks in no particular order. It's, it's Iowa. I know Iowa's on Christmas Day. They have Wisconsin. They have Michigan State. They have Ohio State. I believe Rutgers is also in this, in this mix. Heck, St. Louis on Sunday. But St. Louis, I just saw the latest AP poll. St. Louis is number 27. The former Oklahoma State coach Ford has a really good team at St. Louis. Like, Sunday is going to be a really hard game. I like the roster. I just think that they're in the toughest conference in the country, Q, that, that they could end up finishing eighth or ninth place in the Big Ten, and a lot of fans will say that's not good enough, but that could be good enough to qualify for the NCAA tournament. But if they shoot like they did last night, and Gabe Kausher's shot is broken right now. Mechanically, it looks fine, but mentally, he's, he's struggling. He even admitted that. I'm not just randomly saying that. He told me that the other day that, that his is- issues are mental. You know, and, and Booth Gotch, I, I know Booth is better than what we saw last night. Uh, Liam Robbins can't get into foul trouble. They don't have great depth. But I do like the starting five when Brandon Johnson's ankle is all the way back and he's back in the starting lineup and Enan is coming off the bench. I do like the starting five of Carr, Kausher, because Kausher can still defend. Like, Kausher's going to defend the opposition's best wing player or best guard. You know, Booth might be defending the best wing player, but but when you have Carr and the Kausher and the Gotch into Johnson, into Robbins, if those guys can stay healthy, stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble, I think they can win some games. Like, I don't think – I was talking to somebody, a buddy of mine from the Madison ABC station earlier today. We were talking mostly Gophers-Badgers football, but we talked some basketball. And I told my buddy Alec, and I'll tell you guys, Q and Kyle, I really don't think when I watch the Badgers and I watch them beat Loyola of Chicago last night, I watched them a good amount because they have so many local players, and Brad Davison is is one of my guys, and I'm I'm happy that Brad the last two games has like 40 points combined. He's finally shooting the ball. I've been telling Brad forever, shoot the ball. Like, stop passing so much. Shoot it. And he's been shooting it. So I've been watching a lot of Wisconsin, or as much as I can. I saw pretty much the entire Wisconsin-Marquette game when Marquette won with Theo John and Dawson Garcia, a couple other local guys. But I told my buddy Alec at the ABC station in Madison earlier today, I really don't think when I watch Wisconsin and Minnesota that the talent difference is, is, is enormous. And Wisconsin right now is ranked, what, 13th in the country, preseason pick, like top three, top four in the conference. The Gophers, not ranked. I mean, I think a lot of pundits had them 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, maybe even 12th in the Big Ten preseason. But I just don't think there's like this, this vast difference between the Badgers and the Gophers. And I'm not suggesting that when they play here in a couple weeks that the Badgers are – are going to lose, that the Gophers are going to win. I just think when I look at both rosters, there's not a significant difference. So I think there's a chance, Q, but I'm just telling you, they need to find a way to keep finishing games, just like they finished the Boston College game, even though it went to overtime, those other non-conference games that were close. They need to find a way to, to win these close games. 
and they need to shoot the ball better. And Gabe can't shoot right now. Booth Gotch was making shots early in the season, but he didn't score last night. You know, and he didn't shoot the ball well last year at Utah. He was less than 30% from three-point range. You know, because at some point, you know, Marcus Carr is going to keep running into defenders like, you know, Frazier last night. Like, Frazier did a really good job on Marcus Carr last night. Marcus is going to see comparable defenders, maybe not quite that good, but but good defenders the rest of the season. So he is going to need some help from his teammates. So I think the the possibility is there, but I, you know, you're catching me at a bad time, Q, because that that sour taste from from last night is is still alive. We're talking here less than 24 hours later, and I'm just I'm incredibly bugged by by what I saw last night. But I still think the possibility is there that they finish top eight in the conference, which I know isn't great, but, hey, I think it's good enough in this particular year with, with the depth of the conference that they can make the NCAA tournament. So I sit here and tell you that, that I do think it's possible that, that they are an NCAA tournament team. I hope they do. I know, I know a lot of Gopher fans would really like to see that. Um, let's segue into the Wolves. There's so many questions I want to ask about the Wolves. Well, let's start it off right away with Glenn Taylor and the sale. Are you hearing any more news about that? Yeah, I am. That's interesting you asked that, Kyle. Yes. So I know of, of one individual whose company went public today, and he is worth millions upon millions. I am not going to say his name. I'm not in a position to say his name right now. But I can tell you that he is highly interested in getting involved in this process. I hear that Daniel E. Strauss, who came here, who was on the cusp, it seemed, months ago in, in finishing the deal, the negotiation with Glenn, I'm told that Daniel is still somewhat hopeful. Although if I had to bet right now, I don't think Glenn sells to Strauss, but, but I don't think we can sleep on that name until, until something officially happens. And uh, there are some rumblings about some sort of exclusive negotiating agreement with some other party existing right now. But I said on Score North three-ish weeks ago that, that, that it pointed to Glenn being the majority owner when the regular season starts. The regular season, last time I, I checked, starts one week from today. <laughs> I still think one week from today that Glenn is going to be the majority owner. But another angle to keep an eye on is with the Biden administration taking over, what, January 20th, you know, could could a state tax? I'm not an expert in this area, Kyle, but I've had people way smarter than me tell me to just keep an eye on on estate taxes and how estate taxes may change with the new administration coming in and some tax rules, uh, laws being rewritten. That it might make well, not might it would make financial sense if Glenn is going to do this to to complete a transaction before the Biden administration takes over. Now, it's no guarantee that the Biden administration would, would, would kick in, you know, new laws in the first, you know, two, three, four months. This might be a year process, an 18-month process, but that's an interesting angle to keep an eye on. I still think, Kyle, it's when, not if Glenn does hand over majority ownership, but it's still just, it might be a while. I've heard rumblings about, about him maybe bringing in an individual or two and grooming them just like the plan was five years ago when he talked to Steve Kaplan and Jason Levian. Oh, by the way, remember those two names. I'll just say that. Okay. Those two names were involved five years ago. Just remember, I'm just saying, just remember those two names. No guarantees on those two names, but, but remember those two names, Jason Levian and Steve Kaplan. Steve used to have uh, limited ownership in the Memphis Grizzlies. Jason Levian has ownership in, 
in the DC United MLS team and some other soccer teams overseas. I just, I wouldn't sleep on those two names either. So it's slowly moving. And I, I said that weeks ago on, on social media that it was inching toward becoming a reality and then it slowed down. But, but again, here's you ask me at 615 central on, on Wednesday, December 16th, Kyle, it's, it's inching ever so slowly along. And, and I still say it's, it's when, not if, but, but there is no official news at, at this point. I mean, is, is, is the biggest thing or a snag, he really wants the team to stay here. But if you're talking about the taxes for estate sales, I mean, is that going to make him say, you know what, if, if I'm going to get the deal I want to get before Biden's in, I might have to say goodbye to that part of the, the deal. You know what I mean? Is that something that's crossing his mind? Well, yeah, I mean, the idea of, of keeping the team here absolutely has crossed his mind. I mean, I'm positive, Kyle. Like the Aaron Aflalo group, I was told had interest in moving the team to Vegas. Flat out, you know, interest in moving the team to Vegas. Glenn wasn't going down that path. Do I think that Glenn could sell the Wolves for more than what the Utah Jazz got recently? Almost $1.7 billion, which included the arena. Do I think that that if Glenn wanted to, he could sell the Wolves for more than that? I do. But I also think that the party or parties that would be involved in such a transaction would absolutely pay the $50 million to break the target center lease and move the team. That's what it is, $50 million to break the target center lease. So Glenn has has done his homework, and and he knows that. So, you know, I don't think Glenn is going to get $1.66 billion like the Miller family got in Utah. I think – when, when we ultimately see the, the sale price, it's going to be for less than that. Than that. It's, it's not going to be a ton less than that, but it'll be less. It might be more so in the one, two, one, three, one, four billion range. I mean, we're still talking stupid money, ridiculous money, but it's not going to be 1.66 billion. But he is going to do everything in his power, Kyle, to ensure that the team stays right here in Minnesota. Even if it costs him some money. Even if it costs him some some money. Yeah. Because he's still going to end up making a ton of money. He cares a lot. And I get it about his legacy. Could you imagine his legacy? If, if he sold to a group, whether knowingly or not, that, that ended up moving the team, whether to Vegas, I was told that, that somebody who's got some ownership stake in the Pittsburgh Steelers, had some interest, so maybe there would be interest in getting a team to Pittsburgh. You know, that's that's another market that's been rumored. Clearly, Seattle is out there looking for, for an NBA franchise. So, Glenn knows these these sorts of things. So, I don't, you know, I don't think Glenn's going down that path. But could you imagine his legacy if he ended up, whether knowingly or not, because the perception would be, it would be knowingly, could you imagine his legacy if he ended up selling to a group that moved the team in the next couple of years. Glenn, Glenn isn't willing to, 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 to go down that path. Yeah, that'd be devastating. Um, I, do, I do think he set up the team right. Uh, th- there are some things here that I've been seeing with the preseason. Um, I mean, Anthony Edwards, our number one pick, he's kind of had a slow start. I know people are kind of panicking, but I, don't, I, don't, I wanted to hear your thoughts, Doogie, on what you're seeing from Anthony. I wouldn't panic. I mean, Kyle – this has been the most atypical lead up to an NBA season in league history, right? Like there was no Vegas summer league. There was no prolonged training camp. There was no five or six game preseason schedule. I mean, it's three games 
and boom, next Wednesday night, the games start to count. Wolves-Pistons, one week from tonight, counts in the standing. So I am not going to overreact either way. Anthony Edwards could have had 35 points on Monday, and I wouldn't be sitting here telling you, rookie of the year, future all-star. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I've also learned my lesson, Kyle, over the years. Like, I remember many, many years ago, do you remember a player last name Skeetish Vili? Mm-hmm. The Wolves used to host a summer league. So this was like, I don't know, 02, 03, 04. I don't remember what year exactly Skeetish Vili was, was drafted, 05. But whatever year it was, his team, I think he was a Denver Nuggets draft pick. So Denver was in the Minnesota Summer League. So I'm at the Summer League at, at Target Center. I remember, you know, and I'm, I'm young, I'm 23, 24 years old, whatever it was. I leave there thinking Skittish Vili is headed to, to Springfield, that he is going to the Hall of Fame. And I can give you other examples where I've learned my lesson. As I've gotten older, I'm now 40 years old. Uh, cue up the Mike Gundy soundbite if you want to. I'm, I'm 40, I'm a man. Uh, I just, I've learned my lesson so often, Kyle, over the years to not overreact to, to summer league or preseason. The, the physical skills are there with, with Ant-Man. Uh, the shot needs all sorts of work, uh, but he is a physical specimen where I think the NBA game is, is more wide open for him compared to the college game. There will be ample opportunities for, for lanes for him to drive to the basket. So I think he is going to get to the free throw line enough. I think he's got a chance to be pretty good, but I think the range of how good he'll be is all over the map. Like I think floor is like Dion waiters. Which, if, if you listen to this right now, you're thinking, offensive Deion ability. Waiters, what a waste of a draft pick. I think ceiling, like ceiling is, I mean, if the shot comes along, Bradley Beal, but he's not going to shoot like Bradley Beal, but but just Donovan that Mitchell. sort of success, like be, be a 20-something point a game scorer, you know, like a, a multi-time all-star. Like somebody you look at and say that's that's a top 15, top 20 player in the league. So I guess if you want to draw that comparison to a Bradley Beal, you know, but I think I think that's like the wide range. And, and truth be told, Kyle, the answer probably will be somewhere in the middle, that, that he's not going to be Deion Waiters, but he's not going to be Bradley Beal. He'll be somewhere in the middle. The question is, does somebody like Wiseman or LaMelo Ball or Avdia or you name the, the rookie, Okoro, or, or somebody else from this draft class, does somebody else end up being that multi-time all-star? And if so, that will be an indictment on Rosas in the front office that they had all this time, all this, all this time leading up to the draft to do more homework than ever. And if they don't end up hitting on Edwards, it's going to be a really bad look. But at this point, I'm not going to overreact to anything I've seen through two preseason games. Yeah, I mean – I completely understand. I I was looking up some players that had uh, tough beginnings to their preseason. I, I think of guys like uh, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, both of them started off kind of kind of rough. And, I mean, it turned out great for them. But like you said, it's, it's an odd year. They didn't get to have a training camp. This preseason isn't a real preseason. Um, but, I mean, what are your expectations when you're going to see a D-Lo and a Cat on the court for this, you know, really the first time? They didn't really do it last year. So, I mean – the, the crazy thing is Vegas is only saying they're going to win 30 games, or they're think, thinking under 30 games. 
it's a tough schedule being in the Western Conference. This is just, I don't know. I agree. I mean, right now, like, who do you feel most confident about that they're better than? Like, to me, it's Oklahoma City. Maybe Sacramento? Like, I'm not there yet on even New Orleans. I'm certainly not there yet on Memphis. I'm not there in Phoenix. I'm not there yet on San Antonio, but but I think they, they absolutely could be better than San Antonio. I'm not there in Golden State. Maybe Houston. I do think it's when, not if they trade James Harden. So possibly Houston. I know that, that they're not better than Portland, the L.A. teams, Denver, Utah. You know, so you start thinking about a path to, to the top eight or top ten. You know, I mean, for, for their sake, you know, they can look at the nine and the ten seed, you know, the, the play-in spots, that play-in tournament, and say that's a realistic goal, and it should be. You know, so to me, for, for this year to be a success, find a way to, to capture that nine or ten seed doesn't have to be the seven or the eight. Find a way to get into the play-in tournament as the nine or ten seed. But I just don't know right now who for sure they're better than in the West outside of Oklahoma City. Maybe Sacramento. Like, Kyle, you could sell me on Sacramento. You could sell me on, on San Antonio. I disagree with John Hollinger, who I love, but he's got the Wolves finishing ahead of Memphis. I don't see it. Memphis will get Jaron Jackson Jr. back soon enough. I don't see how the Wolves are better than the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's not recency bias, just these two preseason games. I would have told you that before Saturday night, before that first preseason game. I just think Memphis is, is better than the Wolves. But I think they can go over 30, not like significantly over 30, but they can go over 30. Yeah, like at, 31. Yeah, well, or 32 <laughs> or 33. But, hey, that would, that would cash out, wouldn't it? But yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited to see D'Lo and Cat play games that, that matter. They only played one last year, that game in – in Toronto that I, that I remember pretty vividly, those two need to defend, right? Like they can't both be sieves on defense. They, they both need to show some sort of pulse on, on defense. And until they show me that now cat showed me it a couple years ago, maybe even at the start of last year, but it's been many games since he's shown me it. Russell's never shown me it, you know? So until they show me that Kyle, you know, I can't sit here and tell you like, 100%, they're going to be the nine seed or the eight seed or the 10 seed. Yes, bet the over. Like, I can't sit here and, and tell you that, like, definitively. But do I have some level of confidence that that can take place? Yeah, I do. And then we've had uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is making an impression. I know that's your guy. That is, yeah. I mean, he got run for, for a two seed last year, right? Toronto was the two seed. Correct me if I'm wrong. Toronto was the two seed, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so he got run for the two-seed Toronto Raptors. If he can get run for the two-seed Toronto Raptors, he darn well can get run for the 13th seed in the Western Conference, Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Like, what would only hope? I, I get it. He's on a non-guaranteed contract, but he better be on the roster next week. He certainly looked, and again, I don't want to overreact to one preseason game, but he looked good on Monday night. He brought energy that, that the rest of his teammates didn't have. You know, like, I'd like to see him next to Cat. I'd have no problem if Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is their starting four. You know, and I get it. Teams will, will dare him to shoot. So there are, there are warts there. There's a reason why he didn't sign in that first or second wave of free agency, that they were able to get him on a, on a non-guaranteed contract. I, I get all that. But 
you know, I'll admit my bias that I like him, but I just think there's there's enough of a track record there that that this particular team, this particular roster, yeah, damn right, Kyle. I do think he can help them. <laughs> the other thing that I want to talk to you about is there was a lot of Culver talk during the draft, and I've heard it's even continued after the draft. I heard they, they got cold feet on a lot of offers. You want to talk to us about some of those trade offers that came up? I know some were moving up. Some were just, I don't know if it was unloading or what, trying to get them in a bigger trade. I know they're always constantly looking for, you know, adding a third star, quote, unquote. Yeah, I mean, I think they, when they talked to Atlanta, when they talked to some other teams, it was about chasing a star or moving up from 17 you know, whether it was to six or in that range. I know they talked to Cleveland draft night about Larry Nance Jr., but that was more draft picks. I didn't hear directly that, that Culver's name came up in in that scenario. Do I think they'd move him, Kyle? I do. Now, the, here's the question. Would they move him for P.J. Tucker? Now, presumably, if you brought in P.J. Tucker – you would sign him to an extension that PJ is an expiring contract, but the idea would be that PJ, even at what is he 35 or 36 and he's played a lot of minutes the last 10, 40 years, but he's in good shape, you know, and I still think he can help somebody, but can he help somebody for three more years this year? Yes. Maybe next year. Yes. But two years from now, I don't know, but that, that's the question to me. Would you do that deal? If you could get PJ Tucker tonight, straight up for Jared Culver, if you're Minnesota, would you do that deal? Would I do that deal? I would. Now, do I think it's encouraging that he's put on all that muscle, that he reworked his shot, that mechanically just watching him through these first two preseason games, that the shot looks infinitely better? That's all encouraging. I've heard nothing but good things about that kid's work ethic, that you never need to worry about character with him, you know, him being in the gym really working on his game, like those things you don't need to worry about. But the shot, man, I mean, I I root for him because I know some people close to him. You know, I've had a chance to interview him a few times, really good kid, so I'm rooting for him. But, like, to me, if you could get P.J. Tucker right now for him, I would do that. I don't know if the Wolves would do that. The Wolves have interest in Tucker, I can tell you that. But I don't know if they would make that one-for-one trade. You know, would they try to peddle some other pieces for, for P.J. Tucker? But, yeah, I mean, so far, I mean, encouraging. And not just the two games. I mean, just, you know, talking to some Wolves people going back to the bubble in September, talking to some people close to Culver. I know his trainer, Phil, a little bit, who he trains with sometimes in, in the Phoenix area. I just, I, I've heard good things throughout the offseason about Jared. I do think there's something to be said about guys making a jump year one to year two. So, Let's give him a chance. Like, I'm not writing the final chapter on Jared Culver, but I do think if the right trade was out there, me personally, Kyle, I would trade him. And I know right now, too, with NBA franchises, the smart ones know when to cut bait. And it, it, it's hard to cut bait at the right time. I know the, the Wolves for us, and I still think Andrew Wiggins is a great player, and I think he's a really good dude. Uh, but obviously the fit wasn't there. And in a lot of ways, supposedly that cost us a Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler cat trio which you never know if that could have been something crazy or not you know what I mean and who knows how it would have turned out if maybe Jimmy Buckets and Cat would have got along you never know but I mean we would have had a lot I don't think they were ever getting along though Kyle I mean just knowing Jimmy and the way he's wired and his DNA and Cat like 
I'm not surprised to hear that they really never were able to coexist together on the court. Like, I don't think Jimmy thinks Cat is a bad dude, but I just think like the way Jimmy watched Cat from the get-go, you know, and his 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 lack of of wanting to give a crap on defense. Like, I think Jimmy just got rubbed the wrong way initially. And like that, that never changed. So like, you can talk about all you want, you know, that hypothetical, any number of hypotheticals, but I don't think Jimmy and Cat were ever, ever on the court going to get along. I really don't. So Tibbs just threw us down the drain. We should have kept Levine. Yeah. But you know what, Kyle, like in Q, you can disagree or agree if you want, but like, me and everybody I know, the night that trade was announced, even though it broke up Flip Saunders' vision, because Zach Levine was Flip's guy, you know, rest in peace, Flip Saunders. I mean, just one of the one of the great human beings in my 23 years of doing this that that I've ever had a chance to to get to know, you know, and, and he died tragically. We we all know that. Like even Tibbs breaking up Flip's vision, because Flip's vision was like, we can win with Zach and Kat and Andrew Wiggins. Like, we can make this work. Like, it needs some time, but, but, but this trio can, can take us, you know, a far way. Uh, that being said, I think everybody, and, and this includes me, uh, the night of, of that draft, when, when that trade was announced, I think everybody celebrated it. I really do. Like, I, I think everybody thought, let's do this. Let's try it. It's, it's Jimmy Buckets, right? Like, that's Tibbs' guy. You brought in Tibbs. I think everybody at the time of the Tibbs hiring celebrated that hiring, by the way. Like, I don't know anybody who said, what are you doing? I know some people who said, why did you give him president power? Like, he shouldn't also be in charge of, of making final roster decisions. But I really, for the most part, don't know anybody that really, truly questioned the move to bring in Tibbs. It just it, it didn't work out. You know, I think they should have traded buckets earlier. I think there might have been a better trade out there even though Covington did some good things, you know, and, and you could argue, you know, on Saric, like maybe they should have kept Dario Saric. They didn't want to pay him a lot of money, but, you know, in hindsight, like look at the money Phoenix just paid him. It wasn't that much, $9 million a year. Like yeah. I don't think that's a ridiculous contract. Not much different you know, than what so, we're already paying so if you wanna, Yeah, I mean, if you want to go down, you know, the, the rabbit hole of, of what took place in revisionist history, like be more bugged that they didn't trade Jimmy earlier and come up with a better package. But bringing in Jimmy, giving that a chance, I don't think that was a mistake. Well, then you, you sit there and you think about uh, with Jimmy gone, um, we just had Duncan Robinson on the show, and he was sitting there talking about how great of a teammate Jimmy is. And we had Tyus on not long ago, and he said the same thing. Um, we've heard the same thing from Andrew Wiggins as well. It's unfortunate that the only different – the real problem then was his – clashing with cat and when you when you sit there and you think about it i think jimmy's big deal is hey commit to me if you're why are you paying these other guys before him and i know a lot of that's also about how you can do things in the contract world in the nba because i definitely think if they could have paid jimmy the super max right on the spot he would have been the one who got the contract you know what i mean i do and by the way i'm looking at my computer screen and my text messages do you want two little mini scoops right now yes D'Angelo Russell out tomorrow night, right ankle soreness. So I need to dig a little bit deeper on that. That's not encouraging. And I just got a text message that Malik Beasley's hearing, his court hearing, he would have joined virtually, uh, scheduled for tomorrow. So he had another court hearing. 
uh, has been moved to next week. So what that points to is the NBA is not suspending Malik anytime soon. Like if they suspend him, and I think there's a reasonable chance they do, but that likely will take place after, after everything is settled. I don't think Malik is going to jail. He's got two really good attorneys. I think they'll end up pleading down. You know, I think they'll come to some happy compromise. And I could see him serving a game or two suspension at some point. But it looks like for next Wednesday that Malik Beasley can be in the Wolves lineup. I like it. I like it. I know we talked about P.J. Tucker, too. Um, I want to talk about his teammate. Is there any, uh, any traction with a possible Harden to the Wolves? I think that they will inquire, Kyle, because this is a forward-thinking front office that likes to have their finger on the pulse of just about anything happening in the league. So do I think, especially with, with Sachin Gupta and, and Gerson Rosas having connections down there, do I think that they inquire just to see what's going on? You know, does Raphael Stone, the new GM, really truly want to trade James? Like, will he wait a little bit? Or is he looking to make a move right now? Like, do I think the Wolves shoot a text message or make a phone call? I do. Do I foresee any scenario where James Harden ends up here? I really don't. Now, if Philadelphia with Daryl Morey gets involved, you know, could, could the Wolves end up being a third team? Possibly. I mean, I don't think the Wolves are going to stop in their pursuit of a third superstar, even though they think Anthony Edwards has, has a chance to be that. But if they had a chance to acquire Ben Simmons, for example, in a three-team deal where Harden goes to Philly, Ben Simmons comes here, and a ton goes to Houston, including presumably Anthony Edwards, yeah, I think, I think the Wolves would, would have some interest in, in such a scenario, but I've yet to hear that Daryl Morey is willing to do that. Philadelphia looked pretty good last night. Again, I'm not trying to overreact to a preseason game, but I do think Doc Rivers wants to at least see what he has with Simmons and Embiid and surrounding those two with the shooters they brought in, that if such a, a transaction took place, it would be like February or early March, that it's not going to be in the next – couple weeks you know bringing in a Simmons who's great friends with D'Lo um he would be an intriguing piece to add to that starting five he would be I'm with you yeah he would because like he can defend he doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton like he doesn't need to initiate the offense he can but he doesn't have to he's a really good passer he has history with, with D'Lo. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be as good a fit as, as anybody. I just don't Probably. know how realistic it is. But, but, yeah, like, if you just told me, okay, name, like, any player in the league, name the guy you want playing with D'Lo and Cat, I might tell you Ben Simmons. Like, he might be number one on that list. I, I think I'd like him more than uh, the D-Book. When we were talking about D-Book last time we had you on the show, I just think that he could cover up some of the deficiencies that D'Lo and Cat have, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Ben Simmons is, what, 6'10", 6'11", and he could play one through five if he had to. You know, it, it's Agree, insane. and and until I see Devin Booker, and he doesn't have to down there in Phoenix, you know, he exerts enough on the offensive end that, that he doesn't need to be a defensive whiz. But until I see any semblance of him being able to do that, I don't think bringing Devin Booker here for an enormous package is all of a sudden going to vault the Wolves into the top two or three of the Western Conference because they would still give up 120 points a game. 
and that's a bit of an exaggeration, but they would be a bottom five defensive team with, with those three. And I don't care who the other two are on the court. I think with those three, you would be a really bad defensive team. With Ben Simmons, I think you would have a chance to be a top 10-ish defensive team. So, yeah, I mean, I don't need the third, you know, score. Ked and D'Lo are going to take plenty of shots. I don't need Devin Booker to come in here and expect to get 20-something shots a game. So, yes, between those two now, hey, if you had a chance to bring in Booker, sure, why not, right? Like, if you could keep D'Lo and Ked and bring in Booker, I'm not saying, like, you don't do that trade. Of course, you can do that trade. Do the darn trade and bring in the third superstar and figure it out thereafter. But I'm just saying, if, if you're telling me, just pick anybody in the league, yeah, Devin Booker would be below Ben Simmons for me. What do you think, Hugh? I agree. I think uh, it's more so about the defensive end right now rather than, you know, trying to bring in more scores. You know, they have a pretty unique group of guards already. And, you know, they, they, can, they can find the scoring, but can they find the defensive stops? You know, it's not about – how many points you get, how many you, you stop the other team from getting. So they say defense wins championships, and that's, you know, the focal point that we need to kind of address with the Wolves. Defensive. That's why I want – Q, that's why I want Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to, to get more minutes, right? And David Vanterpool is going to be a head coach at some point in this league. He's their quote-unquote defensive coordinator. So I think David is a really smart coach. But I don't care how smart a coach you are until there's there's – willing participants, and I'm talking effort-wise on that end, like I don't care what scheme, you know, Vanterpool, you know, comes up with until those guys really, truly give a crap. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Again, I don't want to overreact to preseason games because I get it. It's, it's a meaningless game, and it's a weird adjustment. You know, these Wolves are playing for the first time without fans in the stands. Insert your own joke, but literally with nobody in the stands, it just it has to be weird, you know, so I'm willing to give them enough of a leash. But, like, if we talk again in a month and we're talking about the Wolves having all sorts of, of defensive issues, I'm going to be upset. But I'm willing to give it some length of time, whether that's, you know, eight regular season games, 12 regular season games. But, Q, you're spot on, right? Like, look at, look at the final eight teams last year. You know, or Final Four, Boston, Miami, Denver, and the Lakers. They all defend, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to. You're not getting anywhere with without defending. Now, do you need to be number one or number two? No. Do I think you need to be top ten defensively to really make noise in the Western Conference? I do. I think you need to be top ten in the league in, in defensive efficiency. It needs to be defense. You also got to be able to shoot that jump shot. That's really it. You're not going to be able to Euro step doing crazy things come postseason. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but I think that's where D'Lo comes in. I mean, he likes to play hero ball. You know, he doesn't like to attack the rim very much. But, but come situations like that, Kyle, to have a really capable mid-range shooter like D'Lo, somebody that can always get his own shot off, I think that will be a benefit when, hopefully it's a when, not an if, when they are in those scenarios. And, you know, let, let's segue then into the Vikes. I don't want to get you all worked up about basketball because of those preseason games. I know you got a sour taste in your mouth. Um, the Vikes, though, the, the biggest thing right off the bat, Spielman was very smart and so was Zimmerman, or Zimmer, getting their contracts uh, extended. But the biggest thing is to me that Spielman for the first time really slipped up. And I'm not saying you don't – it's hard to get draft picks right. And he's really seemed to only miss on kickers and linemen, offense alignment. 
Those are kind of O'Neal the- wasn't a miss. I don't think no, Cleveland that's a was hit. a miss. But he's had plenty of misses. Is all I'm going to say. I'm, I, O'Neal yeah. definitely a hit, but he he has not had the greatest success in getting us an offensive line. Um, but the biggest mistake that I'd say was a real mistake on his end was that Yannick Ngakwe trade, which looked amazing on paper. But from my understanding, after the trade with the Ravens, there's still, if he reaches the Pro Bowl or all these things, there's still ramifications against the Vikes, not against the Ravens. So depending on where he finishes on the season, it could cost us a bunch of other picks. And I think that's his first real mistake ever as our GM. I don't know if it's the first real mistake. I mean, I'd have to really think. I mean, Rick's been in charge a long time, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Now, I think he hits, you know, more than he misses. But Agreed. he's made, I mean, it depends on how you define, you know, serious mistake or or big mistake. But I, I think there's probably been some others. I'll have to think for, for a sec, Kyle, as, as you hit me with that. But I will say on Ngakwe, like, I think the first guess from many people was when you think about what Andre Patterson specifically wants in his defensive lineman, and you look at what Ngakwe does, the match Ngakwe with Andre Patterson just didn't make a ton of sense. Now, some people thought Andre's such a good coach. You know, he'll shape and mold Ngakwe to how he wants Ngakwe to play. But I think there was enough of a track record there with Ngakwe where he's not going to change much the, the type of player he is. So I, I don't know from the get-go that it was ever much of a match. Andre Patterson, co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach with Yannick Ngakwe. So, you know, they got, you know, a couple picks back. I get it. You know, they owe uh, Jacksonville, what, a second-round pick, and they got, what, a a low three back from Baltimore or middle-round three. So (laughs) we're talking what? I mean, like. It's basically you're changing two rounds. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's not a good look. But I'll tell you what. I don't think they were re-signing Ngakwe. I think they realized what a lot of us thought first guess. And I say us, not really me. I, I, I tend to just give things a chance. I'm not one to do a deep dive on, on analyzing, okay, crappy trade or great trade. Uh, I like to see things play out. But, but I do know there were enough people out there that said, just not a good fit. Why, why are the Vikings doing this? It's a complete reaction to the Neil Hunter injury that, that, They've already lost enough guys. You know, maybe this is a transition year. A little bit of a try-to-reload year. Give these youngsters a chance, and maybe you're not making a run in 2020, but maybe you can make another run, you know, like you did the previous year, winning that playoff game in New Orleans, getting to the second round. Maybe you can do that in another year, like the 2021 season. Uh, But I think the Vikings looked at it and said, Kyle, we're not paying Ngakwe big money after the year. We're not using the franchise tag on Ngakwe. Let's recoup something. Let's get something now versus we'll lose him in free agency, then get a compensatory pick in the 2022 draft. That they looked at it and said, let's recoup something for, for the 2021 draft. So, yeah, was it, was it a mistake, even a big mistake? Sure, absolutely. But I do credit them for throwing in the towel when, when I think other GMs would have said, no, I'm no, not no. admitting my mistake. We'll just take the compensatory pick if we can't if we can't get him on a cheap team friendly deal, you know, in March. If we can't re-sign him, you know, let's just take the compensatory pick in 2022. I credit the Vikings for admitting their mistake. See, and I thought, honest to God, I thought that was their free free agency uh, little ploy 
I thought they were trading him away to his hometown in Baltimore where he wanted to go to the beginning. And he was his desire was to play for a team that was going in the playoffs, hopefully for a Super Bowl run. Let him go there, have fun, and see that we showed allegiance to him that maybe he'd come back come free agency. Aye, aye. <laughs> that's really not something I would bet on. Yeah, that's Kyle. <laughs> I I would be shocked. He's looking for ridiculous money. Oh, yeah. He changed agents. He went from a relatively big agent to a big time agent. Uh, he's looking to get paid a lot of money in March. Uh, I don't see that happening here. And hopefully he doesn't play very well because if he finishes well, I think that pick goes that that second pick that we send to the Jacksonville Jags was going to be like a fifth that could turn into a fourth or a third, which would be devastating. So hopefully the Vikes keep winning out so that their picks aren't as high as we once thought when they were one and five when we made the trade. Um, but I mean, the Vikes have actually turned it around. It's been very impressive to go. I mean, they're six and seven now. Zimmer. I mean, I know he's very upset. The Bucks they had a very good chance of getting that W last Sunday. They got a little gut punch there. Our kicker, was you know it's been kind of our Achilles heel the last I don't know since like 1998 we've kind of always had kicking problems um but there's very little room for error right now and we've got the Bears the Saints and the Lions coming up two away games the back end of it are you seeing them finishing nine and eight or are they going to possibly go nine and seven are they going to shock everybody and maybe sneak into that last seed are we going to if we tie with the cards or I mean, they would have tiebreaker, presuming they beat Detroit. I mean, just the way I look at it, if if they finish with the same record as Arizona, the Vikings would would get the edge. But do I think they are winning out? Do I think they're finishing nine and seven? No, I don't, Kyle. I think they'll end up finishing eight and eight. I think they find a way to win two, but not three. And I think that would be fitting, right? This roller coaster of a season that they would finish literally five hundred. That's what five hundred teams do. One week they look like they can beat almost anybody in the league. Just like when they won in Green Bay, should have won in Seattle, should have won the game against Tennessee here week three, that they can play with just about anybody in the league. Maybe not Kansas City or Pittsburgh, but just about anybody. Maybe even Pittsburgh, maybe just Kansas City. And certainly could play with anybody in the NFC. You know, but then other weeks, you know, you you lay an egg at home against Atlanta. And I get it, Dalvin Cook didn't play that game. You lose at home to Dallas. Like, think about Dallas, what we saw on Thanksgiving Day, yeah. right? And, and Washington's playing better, but, like, I think sitting there Thanksgiving Day, a lot of us were like, the Vikings lost to this team? Yeah. Are you bleeping kidding me? Like, how the bleep did that happen? Right? And maybe should have lost to Jacksonville. Maybe should have lost to Carolina. Like, imagine if Carolina had, you know, Bucker as their kicker or Justin Tucker as their kicker. Then Carolina wins that game. Right? Heck, if they had Justin Tucker, Jacksonville wins that game. He probably would have made it from 61 at the end of regulation. You know, so that's what a 500 team does. It's it's this. But credit to them. I mean, at one in five, a lot of us were like, time to tank for Trevor, right? Find a yeah. path to, to Justin Fields or Trey Lance or, or the Wilson kid from BYU. Now, there are fans who now say they've won too much, right? Like, what were they doing? Like, middle purgatory sucks. Like, being 8-8 eight and eight, is the worst possible thing. Like, if you're going to be bad, if you're going to miss the playoffs, be one of the worst teams. Get a higher draft pick, not only in the first round, but every other round. But now they don't even have their second-round pick. But I do think they can win two of these games, Kyle. I think they can beat Chicago on Sunday. 
I just struggle to see the victory in New Orleans. I think Drew Brees, I mean, signs point to to Brees potentially being back for that game. I don't have any direct insight on that. It's not like I, I cover the Saints or have any Drew Brees sources, but just following some of the national talking heads, I saw Jay Glazer on the pregame show on Fox on Sunday say that that he believes Brees will be back for, for that Christmas Day game. It's just hard for me. And I was there in New Orleans covering the game in January, so I've seen the Vikings win in that building this calendar year, which seems like forever ago, but it actually happened in the year 2020. I saw the Vikings win in New Orleans, but do I see the Vikings winning in New Orleans short week, Christmas Day? I don't, Kyle. So I think at best they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. See, and the crazy thing is I could see it. We've kind of had the Saints number ever since that uh, debacle with Brett Favre. I feel like after that we've always kind of taken out a lot of vengeance on them. But it seems like the Bears always have our number. So it's seen, I, I could see us losing to the Bears, beating the Saints, and beating the Lions going 8-8. Eight eight. I could easily see that. Yeah, although, I mean, now, heck, right, if if Foles throws that ball, was it was it Anthony Miller, the, the primetime game a few weeks ago in Chicago? I forget the receiver. Was it Mooney? I think it was Miller. I think it was I, Miller, right? Yeah. Like, if that throw is just a half inch closer or yeah. more. He you know, still should have had it. able to extend his arms a little bit further. Maybe he should have. But the Vikings did win that game. So, the fact they won in Chicago, and again, different animal with no fans in the stands. But the fact that they won in Chicago this year makes me think that they can win on Sunday. And I do think, whatever you think of Nick Foles, and Trubisky's been pretty good the last couple of weeks, but I still think the Bears are a better offense when Nick Foles is in at quarterback, so the fact that the Vikings will see Trubisky, not Foles, I do think the Vikings find a way to win on Sunday. Well, what are your thoughts on these uh, young, the young players on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, they are they're showing a lot of promise, but then of course we're having mistakes at the same time. So it's a lot of give and take there. Um, but I mean, we we have seen a lot of things that make you go, God, I'm actually excited for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Gladney is a really good tackler. I think Cam Dantzler has been their best cover corner this year. So you think about those two rookies back next year. We all love Harrison Smith. We all love Eric Kendricks. Now, Kendricks didn't practice today, so he may end up missing his third consecutive game with that calf injury. But he's one of the best, if not the best, middle linebackers in the game. Eric Wilson is a free agent, but I'd look to bring back Wilson and cut Anthony Barr. Nothing against Barr. I just think his cap number is is too high. You can escape with minimal damage, dead cap-wise, money-wise. So I'd look to make the move on Barr and bring back Wilson. They need to draft a pass rusher or two. And, you know, maybe DJ Wanham still has a chance to be pretty good. You know, maybe James Lynch, you know, still has a chance. But but even with Daniil Hunter back next year, I still think they need to bring in another pass rusher. I mean, we haven't seen them get to the quarterback, you know, for the most part at all this year. It's been troubling. We you know, missed Everson. If, if the Bears win on, on Sunday, I can bet that that somehow their weak offensive line held up that the Vikings didn't generate a pass rush. Like, if we talk Sunday night and we know that the Bears won, I bet we can point to the Vikings not generating any sort of pass rush on Sunday. They just haven't generated much of a pass rush all year long. But, yeah, I think there's there's enough there to like. I think they lose Anthony Harris in free agency, so they'll have to yeah. find a way to replace him. I don't think his replacement is in-house. You know, so they're going to either need to draft a safety or, or sign a safety. They like that Parks kid that ended up in Denver that Philly let go. So maybe Parks is 
is a you know a lower level type free agent signing that that he can come in and you know start next to Smith, you know. But yeah, I think you know there's there's enough there to to look at and say, yeah, I mean, sure, with Mike Zimmer leading the way, uh, with Andre Patterson still in the mix, that 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 defense can be better next year, significantly better. Mm, but they can be better. You wonder if Geno Atkins, who's probably on his outs with the uh, Bengals, if he might have a little reunite with uh, Zimmer here in Minnesota, if that's a possibility, and that could probably play that. You don't see it? I mean, how old is he? I mean, if he's willing he's to take old. a one-year, you know, small-type money deal, sure. But but there's an injury history there, including a recent injury oh, history. Yeah, shoulder. He's up there in age. I mean, he's he's an all-timer when it comes to that that franchise, right? Like, I don't know what the Bengals have, their, their ring of honor or whatever the heck it is, but I can promise you Geno Atkins belongs in it or the Bengals mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. He belongs in it. Uh, but I just don't know at his age right now with his recent injury history if that's a guy that I'd be willing to pay a lot of money to. I heard they're cleaning house over there. Him and A.J. Green are probably out. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah, I mean – you look at the Bengals with with that young coach Zach Taylor, with with Burrow, with with all the other young players they have. Yeah, I mean, what's the point? I mean, they have T. Higgins, they have uh, Boyd, who's a really good receiver. I mean, they have they have receivers. Like, what's mm-hmm. the point in in having AJ Green next year? And if Atkins' contract is up, I mean, they didn't win games this year, but I don't see how he helps them win games next year. So, no. yeah, I mean, I would think if if you know they can move on, that they probably would. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up, too, is we had some Texas products that were just released. Um, the Holton Hill experiment and Chris Boyd experiment both fizzled. Um, I didn't know if you had any inside scoop on those guys. I know I know Holton. They had a lot of high hopes for Holton. Yeah, I would say this on Holton. I think he was unreliable multiple times off the field. Like, think about it. I mean, they had to report a lot for COVID testing, some other things. I just think it got to the point where they just couldn't rely on him anymore. And not even, I'm not telling you, Kyle, all on the field, like some off the field. It just got to that point where there was, there was too much unpredictability to, to his circumstances that, you know, with, with the injury too, that it, it just it made it easier to, to cut the cord. On Boyd, I mean, he's hurt. I mean, I think he's back next year, but I don't think you bring him back as your number three corner. You know, I mean, there's been some adventures on special teams, but he is a willing special teams participant. So if he's your number four or number five corner next year, if he helps you on special teams, stops committing all these penalties, but helps you on special teams, I can see that scenario. Like, I can see Chris Boyd on on the 53-man next year. But, yeah, Holton Hill, yeah, I mean, he won't be coming back anytime soon. That's sad, man. He had a lot of talent. He had a lot of talent. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a reason why he didn't get drafted, right? I mean (laughs) – there's just there's there's too many red flags there that that there is talent, but the talent doesn't trump all all the red flags that that the teams had you know pre-draft that the Vikings now have after having them in house for a couple of years, you know so yeah it's unfortunate it just you know for some guys it just it unfortunately Kyle it never ever clicks. Some guys are their own worst enemy. Dubes, we really appreciate you coming on the show and giving us the inside scoop, man. We love having you on and we hope to have you back. Take it easy, Kyle Q. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays, gentlemen. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Stay sane. Don't sleep on (laughs) mental health. Yes, I agree. Thank you.